everybody. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And, and- today... <laughs> Sorry, Maggie. We literally just talked about talking over each other. Um, (laughs) You take it away, Julia. Thanks. Today, we have uh, Carly Betcher. Thanks for being on. As I wave at the camera, they can't see me. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Carly, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent. How are you, Maggie? I'm living my dreams. Yes. Yes. Um, Well, I suppose we should just dive right in. Today we are talking about Uglies by Scott Westerfield. And Carly, I guess we should sort of kick off with you talking about how you've met him. Um, Yeah. um, It was a very random thing. My sister goes to the University of Milwaukee and I was living in Chicago at the time. And she messaged me one day and said, hey, in a book series, Uglies, that we read when we were kids? I was like, yeah obviously it's amazing. And she goes, well, my school does all of these random like talks where they bring in like authors and artists and stuff. And she goes, Scott Westerfield's coming. Do you want to go? It's free. And I was like, shut up. No, so I'm like, all right, how do I get to Milwaukee? What do I do? And we go, and there was maybe 20 people there. And like, I was clearly the only person fangirling and he did a meet and greet because it was for his new series. And so he was doing a thing where he signed books afterwards. And I made sure that I was the first person in line, of course. And I had to be like, hello, sir. I'm a very big fan of you. And since a small child, can I take a photo with you? And he looked genuinely afraid. Um, so I was giving off some serious stalker vibes, I think. But he took okay. with me and it was um, the best day of my life. That's awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. For those of you that want to see the picture, it's actually the picture that is Carly's Instagram announcement for this episode. That's right. So go to our Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast and you can see Carly with the one, the only Scott Westerfield. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess with that, who wants to hear a summary? I do. I do. I do. All right. Here we go. When you turn 16, you become pretty. So when Tally's best friend Paris turns 16, he undergoes the operation and moves from Uglyville to New Pretty Town, leaving Tally alone. Desperate for companionship during her last weeks as an ugly, she teams up with Shay, an ugly also a few weeks from becoming pretty. But Shay is different. She doesn't mind being ugly. On the night before Tally is to turn pretty, Shay tries to convince her to run away to smoke, a hidden place where everyone remains ugly. And even though Tally initially refuses circumstances that follow force her to make the long trek to smoke. While there, she learns the dangers of turning pretty and the beauty in herself. Tally teams up with the people of smoke and attempts to change the world. Nice. So dramatic. I know. (laughs) Gotta bring the drama. Yes. Well, it's a Y. It's a YA book. You need drama all of the time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean... In a YA dystopian, people are always on the verge of death. So, yeah. So, I have like a sort of fun fact. Okay. It's like a personal fun fact. Great. <laughs> Thanks. Give it to us. So, Carly, when you said you wanted to do uglies for your episode, mm-hmm. um, 
it was like really cool. And I was like, I know Scott Westerfeld. Like I was just, I was perplexed. I was like, how do I know this name? Cause I've never read uglies before. And then yeah. in the back of my brain, I suddenly remembered that I read one of his other series in high school. So I did not read uglies, but I read the midnighters. Series. Yes. Um, yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And I like bought it from thrift books and I still haven't read it (laughs) again, but I was just, that's my fun fact is, you know, you read uglies and I read midnighters as high schoolers. Yeah. Actually read it as a fifth grader. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. It came out in 2005 and I had a habit of going to Barnes and Noble and being like, I'm literally going to choose a book based on its cover. That has a cool cover. Let's see what happens. And then my, you know, elementary school best friend, we were like, this is amazing. <laughs> we're like, these are such good books. Oh my God. That's yeah. an even I, better fun fact. I think. I think I read them in middle school, the ugly series. And I think I read Midnighters after or maybe before, I got to say Midnighters exists in like a dark corner of my brain mm-hmm. where I don't remember what happens in the book really or when I read it, but it, it gives me memories. I'm like, oh I, yeah, Midnighters. But also I don't fully know. I just remember that Midnighters were obsessed with 13 letter words. 13 or or 12 letter words. It was really long words. And so every time I come across a really long word since reading that, I've always counted the letters. Been like, how long are you? How big is this word? It's one of those (laughs) weird ones where I feel like it's like, I know that I've read it, but like at the same time, my brain is like, but but did you? It's like one of those like, yeah, I remember Mm -hmm. going to the store and buying this book and being like, yeah, but I have so many book series where it's like, I know that I've read it, but I couldn't tell you when or what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mostly know that there was like an hour at midnight and they yeah. could li- and that's when like the darkness came out and they had to defeat the darkness. Yeah, so it's only kids that were born exactly at midnight. Mm, I don't remember is. if they have the same birthday or they've just were born at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And well, it's coming together. Midnighters. Now I want to reread that. <laughs> I know. I'm going to reread it. I know it. I know myself. Let's do our warm-up question. I feel like we're pretty warmed up, but I think so too. Uh Carly, what part of the Uglies universe would you want to be in? Honestly, I always wanted to be a special. Um, I know that like technically they're the bad guys, but they got to do whatever they wanted, however they wanted. They got the coolest tech. And I just was always like, yeah, that that would be fun. Like getting to be like in the getting to like kind of be like a little bit intimidating and scary and just being like yeah I am different than everybody else in a scary way and their faces that were always described as like crazy right where they had like inhuman beauty where it was like kind of like angular yeah I was like yeah that'd be cool I'd be into that nice nice what about you Maggie gosh I don't know I mean right now I just I I think that I would hope that I had the bravery to just run away and not be a part of that universe at all. Maybe join up with the people and smoke or something. But I think that if you were a part of it, I would just be so brainwashed. I'd probably just go with the motions. I don't know. I feel like if I were the same person I am now, but living in 
the uglies universe. If I became a pretty, I would require them to give me like the weirdest face that I created, I think. Cool. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that's what I would hope is that, you know, if I become a pretty, then I at least get the weird face that I wanted. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least you can pick how you look for the rest of your life. Yeah. But I mean, I like you would hope that I would have the courage to run away and live in the smoke. The smoke seemed like a cool place. Yeah. It didn't seem that bad. No. I just don't like camping enough to live like that. Yeah. That's really like the one downfall of it. I would want to be like David's parents where they have a really nice house with like a stone wall and all of this (laughs) cool stuff. But obviously I would have to work for it. So. Right. I just am like, I need hot running water. I can be yes. in hot, but I need to be able to bathe in hot water. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't like camping very much. So not I sure went, how it would go. No, I went camping so much as a child. It has lost its draw. I don't, I don't like waking up slightly damp. Mm-mm. I just, I don't like having to unpack all of that stuff just to be dirty all week and then to repack it up. And then to unpack it when I get home. And then you have to wash it all because it's dirty. (laughs) Sounds like my nightmare. (laughs) It just sounds like a lot of work for not a lot of payoff. I agree. And it's just like, even if you do find a place to like bathe, you're just like, you're just always at least a little dirty. And I just, you know, like, I don't want to have to like carefully take my shoes off before getting into bed and try to not get dirt in my sleeping bag. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not into that. So Okay, so all of us would live in the pretty town. <laughs> nope, and we'd all be stupid, but we'd be pretty. Well, we'd be clean. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly. <laughs> Incredible. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, Carly, you kind of already mentioned it, um, but you came across this book and you just picked it up in Barnes & Noble. Yes. Amazing. This is honestly how I found most of my favorite books as a kid. I literally would just go to Barnes & Noble and be like, that has a cool cover. I'm into it. Nice. Um, I got to say, I do not remember how I came across this book. I'm assuming it was the middle school library. Mm. But I like, I don't remember at all. Julia. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't read this book until now. So <laughs> you guys like a- are the reason I came across this book. You have a nice fresh perspective. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. The adult perspective. That's right. Know? Not reading it I as a child. Eleven, I think, when it came out. So, <laughs> so you guys have nostalgia on your side. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Although I gotta say, I think this is just what happened with books that I read in like sixth and seventh and eighth grade. Is I just don't remember the plot. And for uglies, I knew that people were ugly, and then they became pretty, and that was bad. But I like <laughs> didn't remember any of the details. <laughs> And I was like, what? This is all new to me. (laughs) See, I honestly have probably reread this series at least once every like two years since I initially read it. Like it's one of those ones that like, because I like to go back to like, but it's like a comfort thing where I'll be like, I already know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. I love these characters. Let's just go revisit them. And so I honestly probably every like, one to two years, we'll go back and reread the whole thing. And it's just like, oh, yeah, these are my old friends. Like, let's see how they're doing. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's nice. Well, Carly, what makes this book a favorite for you? For me, it was like, it was probably one of my first dystopian novels. I feel like it came out before that huge 
dystopian mm-hmm. young adult novel mm-hmm. sleep went through. And I just, like, I loved that it was never just like, there was never any set good or bad. It was like everything depended on the perspective. And like, there's so much, like there's action without it being like hitting and fighting and it's just like you know it's just they all go through points where all of the characters are at one point the good guy they're all at one point the bad guy and like you just get so much depth to all of them and I just found that so intriguing yeah absolutely um I was telling Julia I think in one of our minisodes or something what I thought was very interesting about uglies is that Tally is so gung-ho about her society. You know, it's not like Katniss who's like, yeah, my life sucks. Right. Here we are. I know that this is a terrible place. Tally is like, yes, I can't wait to be pretty. I love it here. I can't wait for my life. And then she slowly realizes. And so we get to like realize it with her. It's it's really, and I found that really interesting in that like, I mean- as an adult reading it, you can see that they've been brainwashed and you can see the parallels between like how beauty is a construct in America as well. And mm-hmm. just like if you're growing up thinking that you're ugly, obviously that messes with your brain. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. then the promise of being pretty later is is crazy. It honestly like reading this book was really hard in the beginning. I was like, I don't, I don't, it was tough. Like the message just being so close to home, I think was a little too much for me, but I read it. You got through and I I think it's worth the journey, but the beginning is hard. I mean, they just hate everything about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think that is in general, how a lot of, I'm going to assume everyone, but like For me, I know every girl I knew in middle school hated everything about themselves, you know? So um, I don't know. I do think it is a good book for that generation or that age group to to read because I think there is like, there's a lesson in there. Yeah. It gets very empowering, but it's just, you have to kind of power through the self-hate, which was really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's funny like that you mentioned it. I never really thought about it that way. But I wonder if that's something that like appealed to me so much when I was that age, because, you know, I was awkward. I had braces like and I was like, uh, but I was like, wait, this character also thinks that they're like weird and unattractive. So like that, like I'm like looking back, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that was something that also drew me in was that I was like, yeah, this character gets it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wish that we could make this series like really, really popular again. Because I just, I feel, I'm going to sound really old for saying this. I (laughs) recognize that. But middle schoolers now, oh my God. Like it's so, they're so done up. They're so like, I never looked that cute. No. Oh my gosh. In my life. And I, I mean, I guess in some ways I applaud them, but also I'm like, you're 12. Go run around outside. Be awkward. Have fun. It's okay. I don't know, you guys. I'm turning into a grandma already. I look at the young generation and Snapchat, and I'm like, oh, I could never. (laughs) You're going Britishly. Yes, when I'm old, I will be British. It's going to happen to me. I'm going to turn 60, and all of a sudden, I'll be really British. Everyone will be like, what? (laughs) 
be like, Maggie, what happened to you? She's like, I turned into nothing. I'm just Mrs. Doubtfire now. (laughs) You're going to have to learn a lot of British slang. (laughs) Or I'll just be like, people just think that I'm like a spacey old lady. And I don't know. Did she forget that she's not British? Like, is she... (laughs) 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 Anyways. Amazing. Carly, do you have a favorite line or section? Honestly, so I was just rereading this, like, you know, a couple days ago to refresh it. And I love the opening line where it talks about, hold on, let me pull it up. Because it literally, it's just like, it's one of those things where I'm like this, like, it's so it's such a weird first line. It says, the early summer sky was the color of cat vomit. Oh. And just like, yeah. I'm like okay like it's just like it's such like an odd way to start a book where you're just like mm-hmm. yeah all right this is interesting let's see what happens and I just I, I love that that's so funny that you say that because I read that first line and my first thought was I can't believe I kept reading this book <laughs> mine was ew that's gross but, but it's one thing you're like yeah I know exactly what color <laughs> But then she like brings it back later, like a few pages later, she's still thinking about the cat vomit color. Right. She can't get over it. (laughs) Why is cat vomit like such a prevalent part of your life? Like, why is this the thing that you use to compare colors to? Also, where are the cats? Yeah. How do you know what cat vomit looks like? Yeah. (laughs) There's like no animals in these books. Like they don't have pet. There's nothing. No animals. Blowing y'all's mind. She's outside camping for like 10 days, sees no animals. They have rabbits. Okay, fine. Yes. A bunny. rabbit pen. And I think she says she sees fish. But like, I just really, there's no, like, nobody has pets. There, you know, you never see anything about like animals living in the city. Like there's no, there's no, there's no animals. Strange. So Scott Westerfield, we have questions. <laughs> Who had a cat? Right. How would you know? <laughs> Does she know what cats are? Has she ever seen a cat? Please get back to us. Just holding up random animals. Is this a cat? <laughs> Is this cat? Do like a, a police lineup with animals? <laughs> Wait until they find out that there are small cats and big cats. Oh my gosh. They're going to lose their minds. Everyone would want a big cat. This I mean, is true. To be fair, I would. I would love to have like a snow leopard. Uh, I just want a cat that will stay a kitten. It'll just be a little little buddy thing. This is true. That would mm-hmm. be fun. They make the ones that have the little short legs, the munchkins cats. That's true. Those ones are so funny, especially when they like stand on their back legs and their, their paws are just like <laughs> not even long enough to do anything. It's like T-Rex arms. Yes. Oh, my God. I love oh them. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> cute. We're getting off topic. Yeah. Uh, Maggie. <laughs> Do you have a favorite liner section? Um, not really. I mean, the thing that stuck out to me most when I was reading it um, was when Tally started noticing the beauty in the people in smoke. Like, even though they weren't that picture perfect pretty, she started to really love the different, like, whether it was physical aspects or like emotional attributes, and she started to really appreciate them. That's the moment that stuck out to me the most as being like really, really lovely and really great character development. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have like a specific line of dialogue. I've got one. Give I it had to, to me. Oh, thanks. I had to like search through the book because I didn't highlight it, but I knew I dog-eared the page and I was. it took a minute. But it is 
in like the last hundred pages, no, like the last 50 pages. Um, and it's just really funny because her narration is Tally's narration is so cut and dry where yeah. I was just like, this is actually funny. Um, so it on page like 350, if they got caught tonight, at least she would never have dehydrated food again. Sometimes Tally felt she could almost accept brain damage if it meant a life without reconstituted noodles. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. She hates it so much. She won't mind brain damage. I was like, this is funny. That is honestly... That is some visceral feelings about noodles. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how many times have I eaten ramen noodles? A million. But if you were like forced to eat ramen noodles, you would never want to eat them again. I don't right. think. Especially for Probably not. like four straight weeks or something. Because she was at the smoke for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. For like, you know, 10 days or whatever to get there. So like, can you imagine eating nothing but ramen noodles for like almost a straight month? Um, she didn't take that long to get there, though, did she? Did she? It took her ten days, I think, seven yeah. days or ten days. Oh, okay. Like um, see, I think I could be okay eating ramen noodles for a month, but she was eating what was it? Spaghetti bolognese bag bowl. <laughs> that is a hard no for me. <laughs> That's a pass. I'm gonna have to say no. Yeah. So the water purifier was really cool, though. Like that technology, I was like, hmm, that is that is neat. I know, very fancy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, technically, they don't need these in like Uglyville or New Pretty Town. I'm like, why no. does she have this insanely fancy water purifier? Remember, it was in the pack that Dr. Cable gave her because Dr. Cable gave her all of the supplies to get out there. And it was all right, of these right, right. camping things. That's right. That's right. Um. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I just I love all the tech that they have. I always was like, like I was like, I want a hoverboard. I want a, like I want a bungee jacket. Like I was like the fact that like they're like yes, the whole city is built on a metal grid, and everything just uses magnetics to like stay upright. It talks about like you know like the party towers in New Pretty mm-hmm. Town, how it's like essentially an elevator shaft with a building on top of it, and they're just like yeah. I think it says at one point, they're like, yeah, if the power grid goes out, the entire city would collapse. Like, I'm like, that's, that's crazy. Terrifying. Great. But actually, this kind of brings us into our next question. If you could bring something from the book into your world, what would it be and why? I want a hoverboard, Maggie. Yeah, me too. I want a hoverboard <laughs> so bad. Like, I always, like, imagined them as a kid. Now it's like, and granted, I'm afraid of heights. And, like, probably in real life, if this was an option for me, I would hurt myself very badly. But I was always like, this is so cool. It's like a skateboard that can fly. <laughs> I was wondering about that. I had a hard time picturing the hoverboard because I couldn't decide if it was, like, the way that hoverboards are now or if it's more like a skateboard. Did I miss that description? Yeah. So when I was growing up, I always imagined it as like kind of being like almost like a boogie board that was made out of metal. But then uh, um, I remember it was, I think it might've been on Scott Westerfield's website where he was posting like artwork. And I don't know if it was fan artwork, but people were drawing them to look kind of like skateboards. But mm-hmm. in the book, it describes it as being able to like lay flat on it. And I just was like, so my brain was like, yeah, boogie board. That's like roughly the size that that would be. Yeah. You can't lay down on a skateboard. Yeah. I no. was also picturing like a boogie board. Okay. Um, because I was yeah. like with them being magnetic and they can like stick together. I felt like it would be weird if you had 
just an extra wide hoverboard, it made more sense to me to where there would be like more room in the front or behind, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was kind of picturing them uh, like the hoverboards we have now that have like the wheels on the sides of it. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, he doesn't really give a very big description. So kind of hard to say, but I would love a hoverboard. But the truth is, I'm not good at skateboarding, so I doubt I'd be good at hoverboarding. <laughs> right. I would really, like, walk without hurting myself. I'm like, there's no way I could actually like manage to pull this off. But when Especially I'm- when they go hoverboarding on the roller coaster. Oh, my gosh. I would be dead. Mm-hmm. That would be so fun. But it would be so fun. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. It would be so much fun, but I would die. I don't know what I would want. Maybe the medical spray. Oh, Mm-hmm. That's smart, Julia. I <laughs> always really you're making intelligent choices. Oh, thanks. I just I I have I need band aids a lot of the time, so I feel like <laughs> medical spray would be easier. Yes, and then you can save me and Carly. Yeah, right. when Maggie and I injure ourselves hoverboarding, you'd be like, guys, I got the med spray. <laughs> I got you. Just <laughs> a tiny clip on my belt. Don't yes. worry, I've got it. Get like a little a little hip holster to keep the med spray. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Well, um, you guys, is there anyone in the book that you have a crush on? Yes. Oh, Julia, tell us. I really liked David. Yeah. Like, I, I know we're supposed to like David, but he just seemed like a really cool character. Also, he knows how to sew and yeah. makes his own clothes. And I was like, that's weird. That's cool. <laughs> So I think David, and plus like the intrigue that he was raised in the forest, like mm-hmm. really got me. And still seems normal. Yeah. It's like this guy was homeschooled, but he's normal. <laughs> I mean, that that's rarely rare. happens. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I was implying. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I would have to say David as well. He's just such a good person. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, and I'm going to come from the other side. Ooh. I always had a thing for Shay. I was like, you are angry and damaged and like, don't care. And I loved that. All right. All right. All right. Carly's thought- out to get her heart broken. Ugh. I, I mean, I felt angry. like <laughs> Shay was too angry for me. It's like, I'm the angry person here. I can't have another angry person. <laughs> There's not room for two angry people in a relationship. No. No. (laughs) Only one of us can be angry. The other person has to be level-headed and tell me when I'm being dramatic. Right. Two angry people. You just keep stacking it up and suddenly you guys are like impromptu jumping off of buildings because you're so angry. Like I don't – with bungee jackets. Yeah. You're not dying. No. It's planned. Mm -hmm. But it's recreational. (laughs) see and then I was always like yeah you want to go do something crazy like I'm totally in let's go (laughs) well Carly I wish you the best with your relationship yeah I hope you and Shay work out be together for short periods of time in between fighting (laughs) yeah well maybe it works for you I can't deal with too much fighting it's a lot for me (laughs) yeah get anxious sweats (laughs) you're welcome The information you guys didn't know you needed. Right. I'm not good at fighting because when people yell at me, I cry. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Like for her, I feel like I could live with it. I know, okay. but when she like, I mean, she she confronts Tally so aggressively when David has a crush on Tally. Like Tally oh. didn't go out and steal your man. She didn't go out trying to do anything. Right. David wasn't even sure if he liked you. And that she was like so rude. I, I he was also 16. Were we rational and level-headed at 16? No. Are we no. rational and level-headed now? Also, yeah. also no. <laughs> but would I aggressively confront someone? No. No. I would deal with my pain internally like mm-hmm. an adult. <laughs> like an adult that has grown up in the midwest and doesn't like doing things aggressively i will push down my feelings until they do not exist conceal don't feel don't let it show exactly elsa's just a midwest girl trying to figure it out oh my gosh i connect with elsa on so many different levels uh so back to the book yes um is there a quote-unquote bad guy, and are they actually bad? I feel like the three of us know this answer. Yes. But I'm going to put this out there for you guys still to answer. Well, I do. I just want to say I think it's tricky to fully answer it, right? Because mm-hmm. in general, the bad guy in the first book is special circumstances, putting pressure on Tally to... Mm-hmm rat out her friends and the smoke. And then it's also the horror that's happening in Mm -hmm. um, New Pretty Town, where when you become pretty, you potentially get brain damage. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, as you continue reading the series, I feel like things are constantly changing, where you learn more information and you realize things just aren't all black and white. Mm -hmm. But I think that in Uglies, I would say... The most pressing antagonist is special circumstances. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's, it's all about the perspective because in the first book, Tally is not part of special circumstances. They are working against her. So they are the bad guys. But then later spoilers, you know, she joins special circumstances and she's like, no, we're not the bad guys. We're the good guys. And it's just like the, the quote unquote bad guy is constantly changing throughout the series and it's like you know there is even dr cable you know you could you could label her as the villain of the series but she genuinely believes that she is helping the society she is maintaining order she is keeping these people from destroying the planet and she genuinely believes that what she is doing is right and good she's not doing what she's doing to be evil or vindictive or you know mean Mm -hmm. She's doing something that she thinks is helping everybody. She's just doing it in a way that is not great. Yeah. That's the key to a successfully written villain, though. Like, villains just, they think they're in the right of way. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're justified with all of their actions. Yeah, definitely. Julia, do you have any other thoughts on that? Um... I don't know. I mean, I haven't read the rest of the books. And, like, I started the second one, um, but haven't really gotten very far. So now that I know that Tally is going to join special circumstances. I'm really interested to see that because I I feel like special circumstances are the scary shadows that are like lurking Mm -hmm. around everywhere. And so I'm interested to see how that perspective changes. Yeah. From what I remember of the series, that book was my favorite one. 
Mm-hmm. Mine too. Specials, yeah. Was the most interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, there's a sequel series now. I know. I can't get involved too much, Carly. <laughs> but Maggie, no one else I know has read them, and I need someone to talk to about them. Okay, I'll read <laughs> All them. Right. I'll read yeah, them. <laughs> we'll get on it. We'll get on it and have like a follow up episode. Yes. Catch yes. us in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, so next question. It's a bit of a long one, so stick with me. Before Tally and Shay go to the smoke and learn about what happens to the brain during surgery, who do you agree with? Do you think the world would be better if everyone were pretty, like Tally argues? Or do you think that this sort of surgery is dangerous to identity, like Shay argues? I agree with Shay in this instance. Oh, yeah, same. I, for the most part, agree with Shay, but um, it's like one of those things where, if you think about it, the pretty privilege is a thing in our society. It is. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we, without obviously the brain damage that accompanies it, it created kind of like an equality between these people. So like it, there was no, you know, you didn't have to worry about being like, oh, is is someone going to like me because of the way I look, things like that. And to an extent, I think they definitely took it too far. Mm -hmm. But to an extent, I think that it did create like a sort of, equality between everybody and there was no like oh these people got better jobs these people got you know whatever it was just because they looked more aesthetically pleasing and like the whole thing where you know it talks about how it essentially eliminated things like eating disorders and things like that where it's like if you think how many kids did you know in middle school and high school that like you they didn't say it but you could tell that hey you're struggling with some stuff like you know the body dysmorphia and I think that it could have been if they had executed it differently. I think that the surgery did do some good. Yeah, I think I think based off the first book and based off of what Tally argues, the pretty society came with good intentions, yes. right? The intention was to eliminate things like sexism, racism, eating disorders, people being judged based off of their appearance. But instead of doing that where you just force people to be good people, (laughs) um, they like eliminated all individuality, you know? And gave everyone brain damage. And gave everyone brain damage. Brain damage. Brain damage is a big one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why everyone is so happy, right? Mm -hmm. Because the truth is you can't just eliminate the one factor, right? Oh, I no longer have a big nose or tiny eyes or whatever your problem is with yourself, right? You have, you have to, I'm quoting, but they give those people brain damage because then they're not arguing. They're not jealous. There are still going to be differences when you become pretty, right? Julia might still have blonde hair. I might still have brown hair and maybe I'll be jealous of her, but they make those people happy. Right. Well, that, and like, if we were in pretty society, you could get that changed like immediately. Yeah, you can right. just go and fix that. I just, I don't, it makes me uncomfortable to think of everyone just walking around looking basically the same. That seems weird to me. It seems really, I mean, it is unnatural because everyone is different. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like there should have been a, a way if we were back in that society when they're like deciding how to get rid of all of this stuff. There should have been a way to do it without 
changing the way that people look because there's a lot of like cultural things that should be celebrated in terms Mm -hmm. of the way you look. Like I've got wide birthing hips because I'm Dutch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Woo, get it, girl. (laughs) Thanks. Um, And just things like that, I feel like you don't get to celebrate your culture as much if you look the same as everyone else. Absolutely. I definitely Mm -hmm. agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think... Tally sees it as like, oh, they eliminated all of these problems, but they just created more problems. Right. And you mentioned too at some point that, again, this happens later, but they're talking about why they do the lesions on the brain. And Dr. Cable says something like, she's like, people are greedy. And she says, she's like, we do this because you think about that. You put these 16-year-olds in a society where they can have whatever they want all the time. And she's like, What happens when they start asking for things that are like too much where they're wanting to do all like, she's like, you know, we make them happy and contented, you know, they don't want more because they don't know that more is out there. So she like says that it's a way of like combating all of these like horrible things that, you know, the Rusties, the people from our time did to the planet. And she's like, yeah, you know, if they don't know that they can have more then they're content with what they've got. Yeah. That's so limiting though. Right. Especially like if people don't know that they can ask for more, isn't that like a sort of manipulation? Like then you get to keep more for yourself because you know there's more out there, but you're not going to tell them that there's more out there. It just, it's insidious. Absolutely. And um, what I'm about to say is like a spoiler. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. Skip, skip, hit it a few times. But I think- the most obvious change that we see is when Shay turns pretty and it's like she mm-hmm. had this like fiery personality and she was for all of this change and she just followed Tally. She didn't even try to go to New Pretty Town. She's just like, mm, okay, I'll just come with you. I'll do this. I'll do this. She was so complacent. Like she didn't try to do anything on her own. Right. She just tagged along. I'm like, yeah, she was like whining about like, she went from being like, yeah, living in the smoke is super cool to being like, you guys don't have like showers and I'm cold. And like, just kind of like turning into this like little whiny, they call them mm-hmm. bubbles. And it totally is an accurate description. She just was like, went from being this person to being a, 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 a thing almost like where you're like, you're not, you're not a person anymore. You don't really have a personality. You're just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we're kind of touching on it. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, Would you give up your ability to think independently in exchange for being happy, beautiful, perpetually healthy, and rich? It's quite a list. Yeah, it's a lot of good things that could happen for you. I think my answer is still no. It's still no, yeah. Same. It's one of those things where I'm like, can I just pick and choose some? (laughs) Right. Is this like a menu where I can just check mark the stuff that I want? Right. Go through and be like, I want this one. This one I can live without. This one's okay. But like, I'm like, ah, but like all of it where I'm like, I'm like, I really want some of that stuff. But also, I like being able to think for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it nice when other people think for you sometimes? Yes. But all of the time, no, I'd rather be ugly and think independently. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. Well, yeah. uh, Moving into the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you guys think of the different ways that people live in the city versus the the way they live in the smoke? Um, Any thoughts? No thoughts? I mean... I think in general, it's two very big extremes. Mm-hmm. The city, everything is handed to you. You don't have to work for anything. There's technology 
everywhere, your life is comfortable, and living in the smoke is literally camping. Right. It's perpetual camping forever. (laughs) There's no in between. Yeah. But you have a community of independently thinking people versus people that are doing what others are doing because that's what they do. Right. That is something in the books. It talks about how, you know, Tally doesn't really see her parents. She doesn't really even, it doesn't refer to her parents as mom and dad. She calls mm-hmm. them by their names. And it's like, you know, that she says to them, oh, well, can I come home and stay with you? And they're like, no. And it just like the families are so far removed. But in the smoke, it is, it is a community. It's a family mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, lives and works together. And there's no separation of age or gender or anything like that versus in the city, you know, you are everything is separated by age groups. You have the littlies, you have the uglies, you have the new pretties, the middle pretties, the crumblies. Like it, everything is very, very separated by age. And I think that's so strange. Like, can you imagine? And from the time that you're like what, like six or something, until you're sixteen, just like being like, "Hey, bye, mom and dad. I'll see you like maybe once a year, and I won't really care about it." No, that'd be no, weird. That'd be crazy, right? It's like toxic boarding school. It is. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) All right. So next question. Um, Let's ignore the existing sequel for just a moment, even though you both said that that might be your favorite one of the books. The third one. Um, one. Oh, if you were to write a sequel to Uglies, what would you write? What should happen to Tally after she turns herself in? Is there anything about the end of Uglies that you would want to change if you were writing it? And if you knew about the sequels, uh, did that change the way you read this first book? Okay, that's a lot of questions. It is a lot. I'll start with the last question in that little paragraph. Um, Because I knew about the sequels, I was not worried that Tally would die. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like I read the book and was like, basically everyone's going to be okay. I know it's dystopian, so I'm not going to actually worry about these characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I I don't remember what I was thinking when I read them the first time. I'm assuming I was really anxious. Um, I always expected the worst. I was like, they could die at any moment. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't really remember what I was thinking. And now that I'm an adult and I know there are sequels, I knew everything was going to be okay, even when it was stressful circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go through these questions backwards. Is there anything about the end of the book that I would want to change if I were writing it? Um, I guess for me, it feels a little unnecessary that David's dad died. It felt like did it he was actually die? Like he's not waiting in some other book to show up. Okay, he actually died. He's actually dead. Yeah, that was my suspicion was that he was going to show up somewhere and it like he was dead to the family but he was actually very alive he's like i saved the day guys (laughs) yeah that would have been a good plot device (laughs) um but it felt like that was only written in to separate tally and david at the very end Um, that was weird and i just didn't like it um i i didn't feel like it was really necessary to move the plot forward especially during the last 75 pages of the book. Well, it made me really suspicious of David's mom when she was like, no, me and David need to be alone together. And I was like, is she going to kill him? Like, how <laughs> did how did his dad die? Maybe she, like, all of my theories were just, 
it was not that they were grieving together. It was that something bad and malicious was happening between the two of them. Oh, I it just it was one of those things where it was like I understood because like you know it makes sense in a book like this to have somebody die mm-hmm. in the story to like have a character that's not the main character but is still important to the story to have them die and so like it wasn't that but it was one of those things where like the way that David's mom then starts treating Tally it's like mm-hmm. you gotta remember lady that this is a sixteen year old kid you cannot blame a sixteen year old child for a corrupt government killing your husband. Like, right. She's, she's an idiot. Like she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't understand the repercussions to her actions yet. Like she is a literal child. So it kind of upset me that like, she went from being like, yeah, I think that you're like good. And I like that my son likes you to being like, you suck. And I hope everything goes terribly in your life. And I never want to talk to you again. Like it was such a, a dramatic shift. And that's a very childlike response. Like she herself is acting like a teenager that doesn't know anything Mm -hmm. by treating Tally. Right. Because she knows the inner workings of the government. Like she was like, that's why they left was because she found they, she and her husband found out about the legions. They knew what was going on and they're like, this is bad. So it's like, I didn't get how she could go and blame a 16 year old for the bad things that the government Mm -hmm. did that resulted in her husband's death. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's just very immature. It felt really dramatic at the end. It's like all of this emotional drama. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we don't need this. Let's just focus on the problem at hand. Like we have enough going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me do the next question in this chunk. Um, so this is kind of a two-parter, but they go together. If you were to write a sequel, what would you write? What would happen to Tally after she turns herself in? You want to answer first, Maggie? Oh, Sure. Um, well, if I were to write a sequel and Tally became pretty, she would definitely be fully immersed into the pretty society. She, right, she would have the the brain lesions. She would just be like totally happy. And then when she found out about this again, I would imagine that she would struggle <laughs> to make the decision that she needs to make. And um, she's probably really rude to David. This is probably everything that actually happens in the book. And I just don't remember, but (laughs) this is what makes the most sense to me. And then um, she would figure it out, join the team again in a last minute effort to save them or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if I was going to do it, like not having read it, I would have them like full on kidnap her from new pretty town and have her be like super dramatic and just like, like being like, what the hell? And as they're trying to explain it to her, she's like, no, 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 no. no," And have her get like really mad and like Mm -hmm. like, a brief period of time, try to like get them back for it almost before like realizing like, Oh wait, they were right. And like when they give her the letter then and have her be like, Oh shoot. Oh no, I am on the wrong side of things again. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's flip it around. Let's take it from the top, switch it over again. And they kind of go from there. Um, I yeah. think it would have been like a really cool thing for them to like straight up be like, it's going to take you and we're going to put you over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. Like, I feel like there should have been another solution outside of Tally turning herself in. Like, I understand she was doing it for the good of the team. Yeah. And I get that. 
But again, going back to the immaturity of David's mom just being mad at her, it felt kind of forced. Like Tally wanted to not be the problem anymore. And so she then sacrificed herself to try and find the solution, Mm -hmm. which is very YA novel. But it was just one of those like reading it as an adult, it seemed unnecessary. Like they should have, they should have found a different way. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it is a YA novel and they really wanted to immerse us in the pretty world in the next book. But they could have, maybe they could have like scoped out new pretty and found, you know, pretties that seemed slightly discontented and kind of approached it that way versus maybe probably what I would have written. Well, the whole thing was David's mom, and she was like, oh, I can't just give these pills to somebody who doesn't know what's going on. Like, the whole, like, informed consent thing. Yeah. a very, I think, important thing to, like, move the plot forward. It was the only reason for Callie to go do this. Because Mm -hmm. also, if she would have just been like, yeah, here you go, Shay, it would have been like, boom, problem solved. Book series over. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even in the beginning of the second book, there are some pretties that that aren't always in with the pretties like sometimes they're lucid and like vaguely remember their ugly life and so i feel like i probably would have written them doing like some reconnaissance Mm, sure 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 and finding those those pretties that weren't always content yeah that's a good idea too it's actually kind of interesting because most of the time in like the ya dystopian trilogy you have like this is the world we live in and here's the big reveal at the end. And then the second book is like, oh, there's a rebellion. Ooh, what are we going to do? And then the third book is like overthrow the government. And Uglies isn't like that at all. It doesn't follow that like straight line. This is what a dystopian trilogy looks like. It's more like, oh, here's the problem. Have fun in the problem. (laughs) Being the problem. (laughs) Right. Good luck. It's like, you remember this problem? Well, now you are the problem. So go nuts. Congratulations. Yeah. So I do, I think that's kind of interesting, especially since it was one of the first like big dystopian trilogies to come out in our generation. So anyway, moving forth, um, do you guys think that this book shows that technology is positive, negative, or a little bit of both? I mean, I would say a little bit of both. Yeah, that's like the easiest answer. Yeah, well, because it's one of those things where like they use all of this technology to keep the planet from being destroyed, essentially. Like they're very like, the Rusties were killing the planet. We're not going to support that, you know. The whole thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you're not supposed to burn real wood. You're not supposed to do all of this stuff, you know, where everything mm-hmm. is recyclable, you know. And I think that in that sense, it is a very, very positive thing where they're like, you can't cut down trees. You can't, you know, do all of this stuff. And they're doing all of this stuff to be very proactive in trying to reverse all of the damage that the Russies did to the planet. And I think in that sense, the technology is all really, really good. But then again, they take this really, really good thing and then they take it just one step too far. And it's just like, ah, you have this really good thing. And then you just, you had to, you had to go there with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Just a little too much. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to elaborate on that. That's exactly I don't either. Feelings. That was a very good explanation. Yeah. Well, um, final question. Is this book a movie TV show? And if not, should it be? Well, it is not currently a movie or TV show, but I heard a rumor that it's going to be a Netflix 
TV show yes. starring Joey King. Who? Which I Joey King. No, um, who, she's who what is she in most recently? Kissing Booth. All I oh, know. She's the girl in Kissing Booth. Is that she annoys me a little bit, and I really don't like that she's going to be Tally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, honestly, I thought she was a great choice for Tally because <laughs> Tally is really annoying in the beginning. She is. She is. And then she grows. You grow to like her. So if Joey King does her job, you will root for her at the end, but be annoyed by her in the beginning. Carly, who would you have as Tally? Yeah. Who would you cast, Carly? I don't know. See, I have such a hard time with this because I, one of my least favorite things is when books that I love get turned into movies and TV shows because they always ruin them so I always have such a hard time with this and it's like when I have such like a character that I have such like a strong like emotional like tie to I don't like it when they cast like a an actor that's already been in stuff I would rather them select somebody and be like introducing this person this person's never been in anything Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. so that I don't already have like a preconceived like like or Mm -hmm. hate of this person because I feel like that's always something that really like irks me is when I'm like, okay, but I love this character and I don't like the actor that you have cast to play them. So like that always is something where I'm like, uh, just like bring in somebody new who's never done something before because then I don't already hate them. Interesting. <laughs> it's like, well, it's I, you know, I've, I read this book 10 years ago. So I'm like very, I have a certain way that Tally is in my head and she's been that way for a very, very long time. And all of these characters are so like, I'm, they're so established in my mind. So then when I see people starting to be cast as them, I'm like, that's wrong. I'm like, no. But they can't follow who everyone imagined. Right. You know? And I understand that. But at the same time, I'm like, they could have called me and been like, hey, help us cast this, Carly. Mm Maggie and I feel like that about a lot of books. That we do. I think we should be in charge of casting every book that's turned into a movie. I swear. It's like people who make these book-to-movie adaptations, like, I don't think they read the books. I think that they just get handed an outline, and they're like, cool, that's good enough. And I'm like, is it, though? (laughs) Uh, No, it's not. This is why I I can't do the book-to-movie. Like, I literally, like, people get really mad at me. Because I just sit there and I'm like watching the movie, like things like Harry Potter, like nobody will watch these movies with me because I'm like, that's wrong. That fact, you're supposed to see the line. They're supposed to be wearing that color. That character's supposed to have this color. And I like sit there and just pick every single thing apart. You're like, Carly, you're missing the point. And I'm like, I understand that, but I'm still upset. Remind me never to watch Harry Potter with you. Well, yeah, literally. I was gonna say I would I would not enjoy that whatsoever. Because like, I, I I read them all, I've read them all on my phone as well as like the physical books, and I have screenshots of passages from the books where I've highlighted things where I'm like, this is so wrong in the movie. Where I'm just like, yeah, I could get why people don't like watching movies with me. <laughs> there it is. Yes, yeah, being like, self aware. Yeah. So, like, slight sidebar though, um, because you really like Shay. Who would you want to be Shay? Or who do you picture as Shay? It's so funny because like when I picture her in my mind, like she's not like one person specifically. So it's so hard for me to like cast these people because I'm like, it'll be like, she's got like characteristics of like, I feel like a bunch of Mm -hmm. different people. And it's like, I feel like there's like a lot of people, like even from my own life that I have given her pieces of. Where, like, it's so hard for me to be, like, I'm, I'm so bad at, like, fan casting. And be like, who do you want to see in this role? I'm like, nobody. <laughs> um, no one. I'm like, if you could just go into my brain and pluck that out, like, 
do that? Is there a technology that exists where you can do that, where you can go in my brain and be like, ah, yes, this is what Shay looks like. Let's find her. I I feel like they're probably developing some sort of dream technology where you can record your dreams eventually. If we lived in the Uglies universe, they could do this. Yes. (laughs) That would be a bonus. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't given much thought to who I would want cast in this. So when I – oh, sorry. No, you go. I was just thinking like when I was picturing Shay, I pictured her as the actress uh, Shay Mitchell, who is from Pretty Little Liars. (laughs) It's like, this is probably it. Doesn't fit the description, but I like that. Um, See, the other problem is, is that I don't really know a lot of teen actors Mm. anymore. Like I could cast the parents and Dr. Cable, but I'm like, who's a 16 year old, 17 year old actor? You just have to look at the cast of High School Musical, the musical, the series. The actors are aged up. So technically you would need like a 20 to 25 year old actor. Because they rarely actually cast 16-year-olds to play 16-year-olds. That's true. But they should. Then they would get like the accurate awkwardness. I think they're trying to more now. I feel like a lot of things that I've seen are like trying to accurately um, cast I imagine it's harder too because they're still minors. So there's only a certain amount of hours you can work when you're a minor. I just will never forget watching Hannah Montana as a child and realizing that the actor who played her, you know, 17 year old brother was like 30. And I was like, that was weird. And like things like that, where I was like, wait, so you mean that like actors aren't actually the age of the characters they're playing? And that just blew my mind as a kid. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. everything sucks now. Yep. Yes, it does. All right. Well, well, any, any final thoughts on uglies, Carly? Um, this is an amazing series and everyone should read it. It should be mandatory. <laughs> Okay. All right. Get rid of, you know, Fahrenheit 451 and everybody should read Uglies instead. Okay. All right. Sure. Love that. It was just the first book that I hated when I had to read it freshman year of high school that came to mind. (laughs) I don't remember Um, having any feelings about Fahrenheit 451. Me neither. Sorry, guys. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I have no insane feelings about it. No. No, sorry. Um, Well, you guys, I did not pull up the outro. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm going. It's fine, Maggie. Okay. Don't worry about it. I like it when I go to the Google, our shared drive and I can tell you've been on it because it'll say, you opened this today. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> that was Julia. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Carly for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, So if you loved what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family members. If you are listening with Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you aren't already, subscribe to our Patreon. We release extra content pretty much every week. And if you're in certain tiers, you even get merch. You can also choose to buy us a book, which is a one-time donation option available through PayPal, which can be found in our link tree on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. And if you have any book suggestions or questions, feel free to email us at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.